Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. Great episode for you coming up. We're talking to Michael Peña, the actor. I also have my brother here, Rudy. What's going on, Rudy? Hi, thanks for having me. Another big movie lover and my brother, like I just mentioned. So we'll talk about a new movie out on Netflix, an animated movie, and then we'll also get into our list of kind of how movies have affected both of our lives. So we'll talk about that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for being subscribed. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So what is like the movie you think about when you think about Michael Pena? Observe and Report. Okay, why that one? Uh, I think it might be my favorite movie of his. It's kind of a unknown movie, I guess. Not many people have seen it, but it is hilarious. He is he's funny in that. <laughs> I think... I would probably know him first from Crash. I think that's where I remember like his first kind of more... Because oh, yeah. he, he has a really good range. He can do the dramatic things where movies like Crash, but he's also like the comic relief in Ant-Man or Observe and Report. And the other one I really liked him in was 30 Minutes or Less. Oh, yeah. He was the guy who comes out like towards the end trying to get the money from them. That's right. I think that's one of my favorite side characters of his. But I think he's maybe somebody you would know more his face than you would his name sometimes. Yeah. But I think for you and I... He's really one of the only like Mexican actors working now that we can kind of be like, oh, that's a guy who kind of looks like us. Yeah, he's um, yeah, I like him. He can kind of do it all. I mean, yeah, I think he can. So I want to actually ask him some questions about being a Mexican-American actor, and then we'll talk about him in the Tom and Jerry movie. So let's get into this interview now with Michael Pena. On now with Michael Pena. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, dude. How you doing? I'm good, man. I just wanted to say before we talk about Tom and Jerry that. You've been a real inspiration of mine because for me, as a Mexican-American, it's hard for me to look at the screen and see myself represented. And I think it was back in like 2004 when you did Crash. I was like, hey, there's finally somebody who looks like me. 
So was there anybody kind of growing up and when you wanted to become an actor, that was that for you? Yeah, you know, um, um, Edward James almost played Jaime Escalante in Stand and Deliver. Yeah. Um, and that was a movie like that really inspired me and captured my imagination where so much so that I, uh, in high school, I ended up taking calculus and, you know, I don't know why, but I, he just made it look so cool. And I think he just did a fantastic job with that movie. Um, and you know, that one, and then, um, that poet society was another one. Uh, and so I, I you know, it, 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 they were, they were about school and they really inspired me, but, uh, that one, and then also La Bamba. Yes, that uh, is my you know, ultimate, it, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And, you know, see Lou Diamond Phillips and Isai Morales and, you know, like even like the Richie, yeah. like the ending. Uh, it, it's so, it, it was so good. And I, you know, and I remember Los Lobos were in the movie as well. And my mom was really good about it. We watched a lot of like, uh, like um, Mexican movies on Sundays. We would, you know, we didn't live in the greatest part of town. So like on Sundays, we would just go to the theater and watch movies all day, like four or five movies. And it was, it was better than being out. And so we would watch things like La India Maria, Pedro Infantes, or, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the kid from the Mochila Azul, uh, Pedrito. Um, and, you know, so we kept that alive. And then I just fell in love with movies so much so that one day I said, I want to do that. I got to say, I've never heard anybody reference La India Maria before. And that's one of my top five. La India Maria. Like, El Correuela. Like, that is my movie. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> so, you're in Tom and Jerry now. Now, I loved the cartoon as a kid. Is it something you had to explain to your son, like, what Tom and Jerry is? Somehow he knew. I'm like, yeah, I, I think these kids are really well-versed. I mean, with, you know, anything in popular culture, like, now or, you know, because uh, my son actually brought up some something and he's like oh i said what what is this roman he's like yeah you just got rip rolled i was like <laughs> what is that and then so he knows the 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 words so like never gonna give up never gonna i'm like how do you know that dude he's like he's like when people get rip rolled that's what they get rip rolled with and i'm like, I, I have to look it up <laughs> so they they know you know they know more than we do just because of youtube and all that stuff it, it's funny so when you're doing this movie what are you looking at when it's the cgi tom and jerry or just is this like a piece of tape no dude we had some puppeteers man some really oh, nice. really good puppeteers yeah and and uh it was so easy to do um you know i uh <laughs> a, a, a scene with them because it, you know they're reacting the way they should be based on what like even if it's improv and it just you know, I had to make some adjustments of how I talked to, to the to the puppets, to Tom and Jerry, based on how they were reacting. So, which is always the case when you're acting with a with a human being. Well, I appreciate the time, man. Everybody, go check out check out Tom and Jerry. Thank you. Yeah, right on, dude. All right, have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right, so that was cool getting to talk to Michael Pena. The weird thing about that interview is when I got in to actually record that. I was in a room with a bunch of other like movie critics, like Cineblend and all like these other kind of like Whoa. more prestigious publications, I would say. Rotten Tomatoes? I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is in there, but it's like yeah. Access Hollywood and all these other places. And I always feel kind of intimidated in those situations because they come in all like dressed nice with like the nice microphones and looking with their hair all nice. <laughs> and then it's really me in my room with the microphone. We're like, all right, I'm ready to interview Michael Pena. <laughs> and I, I just always feel awkward in those situations. And I think when somebody comes on like a Michael Pena at his level, I feel like I'm not almost worthy of that. 
but I always try to come from an interview of like, if I was just a fan getting to have this opportunity to talk to somebody like that, what would I ask him? So I, I try to stay kind of in that lane of like, hopefully ask him things he doesn't get asked over and over again in these situations where he's talking to 10 people at once and answering the same question. So I don't think he's ever had an interview come up where he talks about Lady Maria. So that was cool. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you know the guy and then you kind of know a little, you know, his movies, you watch his movies, you know, you know, things about him, then I think that will make for a pretty cool interview. Yeah. And that was a movie we watched as kids. Mm-hmm. We had an old VHS and if you're not familiar with Mexican movies, La India Media was like, I don't know if there's an American equivalent of that. Um, I don't know. She's, it's kind of slapsticky. Yeah, because the, the thing about Mexican movies and Mexican culture in general when it comes to entertainment, they love a character. Yeah. Like, they love playing, like, it's either like old guys playing little kids for some reason. It's very, very funny <laughs> in Mexican culture. Or just like straight up characters like La India Maria. Um, El Chavo, uh-huh. like all these kind of just like thought up characters. And that's so popular over there. Yeah, it, it works. We love it. So <laughs> anyway, I have my brother here, Rudy, this week hanging out. So we're just going to talk about movies from our life. We're both huge movie lovers. I think a big reason that I do this podcast is because of you hmm. and the way you've influenced me over the years of the things we've watched together and overall just loving movies now like whenever we see a new movie i think we hit each other up like oh have you seen this yet what'd you think about this you recommend movies to me all the time that end up reviewing on this podcast so it's cool to actually have you here you have been on the podcast before but now we're here in the flesh gonna talk about movies movies are fun movies are fun so first (laughs) of all let's start with your favorite movie from the year you were born so what year were you born 1984 favorite movie from that year this one was kind of hard but i went with ghostbusters uh i tried to like okay which movie do i still watch today and still have fun watching it just from beginning to end and it was ghostbusters i think the one that came in close was uh gremlins and the Toxic Avenger, I don't know if your listeners know about the Toxic Avenger, but those were are high up on yeah. my list of movies. But uh, yeah, I had to go with the Ghostbusters. It's, it's a classic. It's, it's a five-star movie for me. Yeah. I, I don't think people know about Toxic Avenger now, but I think with the remake happening, oh. people will know about him to, in the years to come when that comes out. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Because that's a big deal. Yeah. Peter Dinklage is in that. Mm-hmm. And he's a... Le- it's, I, I, I kind of have a hard time explaining what the Toxic Avenger is because he is a superhero, but he's in the whole Tromaville world, the, all those kind of, would you even call those B-movies? Yeah, I guess I'd call them B, yeah. Very, yeah. very low-budget horror movies that have a cult following, Yeah, and the Toxic Avenger is like the poster child. He's basically the Iron Man of that world, yeah, in yeah, a yeah. sense. But yeah, movies that we also grew up loving too. Watch at your own risk. Yeah, very, <laughs> yes, they are very gruesome, very, very, I don't even say rated R. I think it's even above R. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, but that is a Toxic Avenger. I, I'm curious to see how they adapt that into a mainstream movie. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. So uh, my movie, I was born in 1991. Favorite movie that came out from that year is Hook. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think as a kid, that was like the, one of the biggest like adventure movies I remember watching of like watching something that's like, looks completely like nothing I've ever seen before. And I think that's the best, the Peter Pan story has ever been told. 
Like that's the yeah. only one I really want to watch. I don't really go back and watch the old animated cartoon. It's the most fun one to me. It's the most fun. You got yeah. all the characters, Rufio, Butterball. Is it Butterball? <laughs> right? <laughs> no. What's it's it? Thud Butt. Thud Butt. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was something like that. Yeah, Thud Butt. The whole, I think it's just the best cast. And all the times they've tried to reincarnate and remake that movie, it hasn't matched Robin Williams and Hook. Yeah. So I, that's my go-to for the favorite movie from 1991. Next, let's do, what is the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters? For me, it was uh, Honey, I Sh- I'm pretty sure it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think there was two movies that came out that year that I watched. Uh, both those movies that year it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and The Little Mermaid. Okay. I remember Honey, I Shrunk the Kids more. I remember the previews and everything. So I'm pretty sure it was that one. Blew my mind. How old were you? Mm, I think I was six. Oh, really? Yeah. Five or six. Because that's exactly when I picked the movie that I remember seeing. I was six years old, 1997. Leave It to Beaver came out. <laughs> And still to this day is one of my favorite <laughs> movies. And I think it's mainly because of the memory I associate with going to see that in theaters. And when I saw that movie, it made me immediately want to go and get a GT bike. Oh, yeah. Because in the movie, he, for his birthday, he gets that GT, that red GT bike. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. And it was like in the trailer park that we lived in, the elite status symbol if you had a GT bike. It was the coolest thing the chrome plating to the pegs, like all those things about a GT bike were a thing I dreamed of as a kid. Yeah. And my Constellation prize was not a GT bike, but I got a Huffy diesel <laughs> for Christmas, I think that year, which was also a big deal because we didn't have a lot of money. And you also, living in a trailer park, didn't want to spend too much on a bike because it would get stolen. Yeah, <laughs> like, I got mine stolen. Many bike, every <laughs> every single bike we had in that trailer park got stolen. Yeah. There's not, I remember the day the Huffy got stolen. It, w- it was tied up on our steps with a chain that I would lock every single night. One night, just went out there, it was gone. Never I, saw it again. You think you would hear that. I mean, the walls are yeah, paper there's thin. no walls. <laughs> <laughs> you hear everything. You hear yeah. the possum underneath the trailer. Yeah. And you can't hear somebody still on the bike. We must have been out that night. <laughs> Didn't you have somebody s- steal your bike? They just rode away with it and never came back? Yeah, yeah, that happened. <laughs> what happened there? It was the nicest bike I had ever had. Um, it was a GT, mm-hmm. and it was um, had the the pegs and really nice. Like it was a really awesome bike. And yeah, some kid was like, "Hey, um, can I ride your bike real quick?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." And he's like, "Oh, this is a pretty cool bike." He was like, hey, you want to go meet me and my friends over at the, the gas station and we'll go get some snacks? And they were kind of cool kids. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And he was like, all right, I'll meet you there. And he took off on the bike. And so me and my friend Jake, we take off running. We're like, oh, we're going to go hang with some cool kids. <laughs> and then we show up to the gas station and there's nobody around. And we're waiting, we're waiting. After about half an hour, we're like, oh, dude, I think they took the bike. And it was just like one of the worst days ever. Never saw the kid again. Never saw the bike again. And that's also the plot of Leave it to Beaver, surprisingly enough. Yeah. (laughs) So there we go. All right. Now let's talk about the movie that made you love movies. So the movie that you watched and either over in your life, you've come back to it like, man, that's the one that really clicked with me. Made me want to watch more movies. What movie is that for you? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
The original. The original one, yeah. The 1990? Yeah. Yeah. Why that movie? That one, uh, everything about it is just super cool. The the effects, the like the suits, mm-hmm. and the acting, and the grittiness of it, but, it went, but not too gritty. Like on the line of being a kid's movie to also kind of borderline being a movie that's for adults in terms of the violence and the nature of it. Yeah, yeah. It was... It was just so cool. I don't know everything about it. Just like it had all the elements. And I still think it has all the elements that just like keep me glued to the screen watching this movie. And then I feel like still to this day, uh, I'll find out new facts about it or just new little tidbits about like behind the scenes. Yeah. Or like what happened on set. I follow a lot of the actors from that movie on Instagram. And, you know, they're really cool with the fans and are always giving out all this cool information from that old movie. Well, I mean, it's really like one of the highest successful indie movies of all time. Yep. Because when you think about it, it was an independent movie the way they made it. Yeah. Very low budget. And they really didn't know what that movie was going to be later on. It, it was basically a risk. Yeah. Of taking the comic book of the Ninja Turtles, turning it into a movie and making it so raw and edgy, not like a, a cartoon would be. Yeah, totally. And I think I also love about that movie is the mistakes you find in it because they did have real turtle suits and if you go back and watch it in like certain settings, you can see the backdrops. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the, the real actor's hands like when he's skateboarding. Yeah. So that movie has a lot of charm that I think didn't translate when they remade it with Michael Bay. Yeah. See, even to this day, I'm like, if a movie has puts in the effort to make those uh, practical effects. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is, you know, this is way more interesting than CGI. You know? Yeah, because I was also watching on Disney Plus. They have that that prop history series mm. where they go through a bunch of famous movies and kind of try to find the original props. And one of the movies they did was Honey, I Shrink the Kids, and they go back and find the original ant, probably rotting away. Yeah, it was in some ba- warehouse. <laughs> it was basically just the skeleton of the head, and it's all metal, and all the like the details of it are gone. But they explained in that of like how important it was to have the actual prop because the actors are able to interact with that prop and get more of a sense of like, okay, I got to make this believable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gives a better performance too when you actually see it there. You're reacting to like, this is actually a giant ant in front of me. Not like, okay, this is just the green screen. We'll go back and edit it later. There's an ant there. Go with it. So I think that's a lot of what we've got away from now of like even taken away from the performances. Yeah. You're having to act. I'm not, I'm not having to act. The actors are having to act without Maybe seeing, someday. Maybe someday. <laughs> but yeah, I think there is some charm and I respect any capacity of using real props and getting away from everything in CGI. Hell yeah. For my movie, it was a movie that I watched and researched so much that made me believe that I could make movies and it's the original Halloween. Mm. And it's mainly because... I got so into that movie and the simplicity of it and also had that movie was such an indie movie. They filmed that entire thing in a month. That's another one. Yeah. That just started out as a little super low budget and then was huge. And it's huge, super profitable, has all the remakes going now. But I think over the, the course of the entire franchise, the first one has just been the best. Although, you know, as low budget as that one was, it was totally like being set up to be like this big thing. Yeah. I was like, all right, you know, Everybody and, the you know, John Carpenter and stuff, they approached it as like, also, you know, it was a low budget movie. Yeah. And they were all like, you know, really good directors and, you know, movie makers and stuff. And so they're like, uh, I guess the 
production company or something trusted these people and they're like, all right, you're going to make this little low budget, you know, horror movie. It's a good idea. But they were like, I think this can be huge. And it did. And it was. Yeah. I mean, everything about it. I love from the way they went out and got the original Michael Myers mask from the soundtrack, which now is. I mean, you associate that music with anything kind of like horror, like just hearing that piano iconic. part. It's iconic. Yeah. I took that movie and was like, you know what? I think I can make movies like this. And you and I would make movies mm-hmm. in our in our house back in the day of like, all right, let's uh, set up a quick little horror movie. <laughs> and it made me want to do that. Yeah. So I think it was that movie that if I had any kind of aspirations at some point to be a director, I would go back to that movie and learn from that, take the basics from that, and really grow on it. I just think that's a really timeless movie and one of my favorites still. Totally. Good so, pick. So that's mine. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, now let's do favorite movie from the year you graduated. What year did you graduate? I graduated in the year 2002. 2002. What a time to be alive. (laughs) What was your favorite movie from then? Jackass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's your movie? Yeah, yeah, Jackass. Okay. (laughs) I got confused. I thought you were just talking like like Viva La Bam for no reason. No, no, no. Yeah, my my favorite movie from the year 2002 was Jackass. I guess I didn't realize that movie came out in 2002. Yeah, I didn't realize that either until I Googled it. 
Yeah, because <laughs> that whole show, I mean, Jackass was only on for, I think, two years. They had like four or five seasons, and then the movie came out, mm-hmm. and they kind of stopped doing the TV show. Yeah. Why, yeah, why was that your favorite from that year? Um, It was the most fun, and it was like... Okay, Jackass, the TV show, awesome. Love the TV show. Love everything the guys from that cast did. And so then when they came out with the movie, I was like, whoa, an hour and a half of Jackass. They're probably going to come out with some pretty, like, crazy stunts. And they did. And it was awesome. Yeah. And the thing about Jackass, when you watch those movies, is you realize they stick to no kind of rules of what it is to make a movie. Yeah. It is skit after skit with no introductions, nothing. It's just one thing after another. The most random things you'll ever see in a movie. It has no format. Yeah. It's like, hey, here's a bunch of crazy stunts we did. There's an hour and a half of them. <laughs> and then Here's you, the movie. And it's so entertaining. That's the joke. <laughs> and so fun to watch in theaters. <laughs> yeah, that is... I don't think that's my favorite Jackass movie, but I could see it for that year being your favorite. Yeah, not my favorite Jackass movie, but yeah, definitely. What would be your favorite Jackass movie? Probably Jackass 3D. Yeah. Yeah, that one was amazing. Uh, For me, the year I graduated was 2009. The runner-up movies I had was The Hangover, Mm -hmm. Up, but I went with Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah. And that one goes back to the experience. I think we saw that together in theaters. Yeah. had, were we living in Austin yet, or we had maybe just moved to Austin? We had just moved to Austin. We were there for about a week, week we, and a half, something like that. Yeah, and we had go, went to see this. Yeah, that was the first movie we saw in Austin. I remember mm-hmm. that. And I think, uh, at the time, I thought it was my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Because... It might be my favorite. It, I don't know. I think that one has the most gratifying ending out of all of his movies. Yeah. And the way he always, you know, alters history to make it skewed to his view, that was the most gratifying to me. Yeah, when that yeah. end scene happens, I love that too. In the theater, you get a rise. Like, you're like, oh, this is, this is always what you wanted to go back. Like, if you could go back and change history, this is exactly what I would do. Yeah. The only one that's come close to that was probably Django Unchained, which also was a great ending. Mm-hmm. But I still think Inglorious Bastards is the better one. Yeah. Yeah, if, Glor- if Inglorious Bastards is a 10, then Django was like a 9.5 or something. And of the Quentin Tarantino movies, I think this is maybe the one I've gone back and watched multiple times. Yeah, I, whenever it's, I think I might have the DVD, but, you know, if it's on TV or if I happen to, oh, hey, I have this, then I'm going to sit down and watch it from beginning to end. Yeah, Hugo Stiglitz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen Inglorious Bastards and you're not super into Quentin Tarantino. Gorlami. <laughs> I think you'll like that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the cast alone. I mean, uh-huh. Brad Pitt. Oh, I guess he was in also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. But yeah, Brad Pitt in a Quentin Tarantino movie, you can't go wrong. Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Yeah, it's a great. So, last up, we'll do the movie you wish you could rewatch for the first time. So, a movie mm. that you remember loving completely when you first watched it. A movie that just kind of gave you a feeling of like, man, that was the best thing I've ever seen. You wish you could go back and feel that again for the first time. What would that be for you? This, this movie I saw pretty late in life. Like maybe a couple years ago, and I I thought, where is this? Like, it's an iconic movie, and I'm, I was pretty mad at myself for not ever watching it. And then when I watched it, it just I loved it. I I yeah, I can't say enough great things about it. Rocky, okay, 
man, I love, I love every single Rocky movie. They're so good. Even like the, even the worst one has a totally redeeming quality to it where it's like, yeah, you just have to watch it. And I enjoy them like so, so much. They're, oh my God. Is it just the story of Rocky? The, the action of Rocky? What is it for you? Both. Like everything about it. The story is awesome. You know, uh, this guy starts out this kind of ragtag boxer, you know, kind of, he's a bum. You're a bum. <laughs> and then he just kind of like, but he's got a lot of heart, goes on to, you know, I think, yeah, he just goes on to, he doesn't win in Rocky. He doesn't beat uh, Apollo Creed, but he damn near won. And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, this guy, this, this no-name guy, um, like beat the he beat the champion, but technically he didn't. And it's just like I don't know. It's emotional. It's exciting. It gets your adrenaline going, and it's like, oh man, this is like total classic. Feel good. Everything good about movies is in Rocky. I'm ready to fight somebody right now. You got me so pumped up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You watch the movie and you want to go outside and like lift weights. Start and punching like, some meat. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It really pumps you up. Such a good movie. Have you ever been to Philadelphia? No. I went to Philadelphia. I went to the Rocky statue. Pretty cool. Awesome. It's cool to see in person. I heard it got taken down. Oh, recently? Yeah. Oh, well, it was still there when I went. Oh. <laughs> For me, I think... I want to go back and experience a good twist because once a twist gets revealed, there's no going back. And there's almost very little value in going back and watching a movie where you already know the twist. (laughs) But the first time you see that twist, you're like, man, that's amazing. (laughs) And the movie that came to mind was Usual Suspects. Oh, yeah. If I could go back and re-experience that twist for the first time, I think now (laughs) as an adult, my mind would be way more blown because I watched that movie pretty, I was still a kid. Yeah. And I remember watching it then and being like, holy crap. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have been watching that movie. <laughs> I should not have been watching that movie. That is, yeah, the language I learned from that movie, I should not have watched as early as I did. <laughs> but I almost think I would have enjoyed it more now as an adult watching it. And, ex- yeah, knowing how that movie ends now, I'm like, man, I just wish I could go back and feel that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy twist. Yeah, that whole movie is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a long movie, but if you make the investment, it's so worth it. Yeah. So that would be it for me. My runner-up, <laughs> though, was the first Chucky. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's the movie that scared me the most. It's like, dang, why am I watching all these terrible movies as a kid? <laughs> but I remember watching that movie, and it really scaring me for the first time. Same here. To the point where I could not sleep, and I would think about Chucky. And I think now, for me, it's very hard to find a movie that actually scares me. I think I'm over that part of my life. I don't think I can watch a movie now and genuinely be terrified. Okay. Because I, I just know that I'm watching... Sounds like a challenge. I know that I'm watching something that's not real. The last time I felt that was probably with The First Conjuring. Yeah, that was scary. Like, that was actually scary. But since then, I'm like, you know what? Demons, not that big a deal. Ooh, I got one for you. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie uh, The Dark and the Wicked? I haven't. That movie scared me. It's scary. Yeah, and, sa- it- and same thing for me. Like, I don't get scared very easily anymore with movies, but that one, I was like, whoa. Scary whoa. demonic or scary, like, bloody gore? Both. Okay. But not, like, crazy, like, over-the-top gore. But, like, I thought it was done pretty well. All right, so those are our movies. Next, we're going to come back and review The Mitchells versus The Machines. 
animated movie on Netflix. We'll talk about that next. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right, let's get into a movie review now, talking about The Mitchells versus The Machines. It's out on Netflix if you want to go watch this. I saw a lot of buzz about this one online. Mm-hmm. Like A lot of people were like, man, this is a great movie. Yeah. So before we get into our review, here's just a little bit of the trailer. Every family has its challenges. We haven't had a good family picture in years because you two are always arguing. For my family, our greatest challenge... Probably the robot apocalypse. All right, so the story about this movie, it's basically this girl who is about to graduate high school and she's going off to college and she's very into making films and she's a very creative person but has kind of a weird relationship with her dad. Doesn't really support her, has never really watched her work and now to kind of make up for it, he wants to drive her to college herself with the entire family and then 
on the road trip, this whole kind of tech thing happens where these robots take over the world. That's basically the plot of the movie. Mm -hmm. What did you think about it? I thought it was very cute. Okay. Cute. Very cute. Why cute? Uh, All the characters are very quirky and make, you know, funny faces and funny mannerisms. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it it was very cute. So, would you feel like this is a full-on family movie, or is it kind of like that in-between of, like, a young adult or, like, older demographic type of movie? It's kind of on the line, I feel. I think it's both. Totally a family movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think the whole family can sit down and everybody would enjoy aspects of it. But also, you know, quirky teens who, you know, write their names on their Chuck Taylors will (laughs) enjoy this movie a lot, too a good comparison (laughs) i knew those people in high school yeah um for me this movie visually was stunning the animation i feel like there's no throwaway scenes when you watch this movie oh yeah like every scene feels like it could be its own still like they took there was i could feel there was some because it's from the creators of um into the spider-verse and you can kind of feel that oh of how warm that makes sense how warm the animation is how like the other little added like scribbles the scribbles and the little kind of added effects into what's already these complex characters like that's very detailed so while you're watching this it's just visually very appealing and it makes you want to keep watching and i think sometimes in animated movies now there's kind of thrown away movements to where things is just kind of happening but they're kind of trying to maybe save money in some spots and i feel watching this movie everything every detail is paid attention to yeah, and all the I I liked all the way the characters looked. It has that same kind of into the Spider Verse feel of like this probably cost a lot of money to make. Yeah, the the way the characters were animated and just the way everything looks, uh, yeah, I thought it was amazing. Like that, yeah, super cool. And the overall story about it, I like a good road trip movie. Mm-hmm. And I think you said this movie reminded you of another movie. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie, but maybe about a fourth of the way through, I was kind of getting suspicious. And then about halfway through, I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this movie before. Which, you know, most movies, yeah. you know, you've seen them before. It's just, you know, there's only like 10 different ideas you can make movies off of or whatever. But uh, it was Goofy Movie. Yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of along the same lines. As soon as I saw the family take off in that little yellow car, I was like, hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And there's other elements that happen later in the movie that you realize, like, oh, this is maybe borrowing from that a little bit. Yeah. So I don't think this movie is completely original in that sense. Like, the story itself, mm, not the most original, but I think why people are talking about it so much right now is more so the visual aspect and also that there hasn't been something like this in a while. Mm-hmm. Goofy movie was in the 90s. Yeah. I think doing a movie like this now with that same kind of 90s reference of like culture as far as like the way the movie looks in the story you could do it now and kind of get away with it of like people aren't going to really remember that yeah i feel like if uh, parents have shown their kids the uh, goofy movie or you know just people showing a younger generation that movie they might not be super into it just because the way it looks very basic you know cartoon movie but mitchell's versus the machines was just like Bam! In your face! Color! Explosions! Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. They like this one. And it's the same story. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> if you had to give this movie a rating on the five scale, what would you give it? I'd give it three. Three stars. Three stars? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I would go a little bit more just because of the visual aspect. I, I really ended up liking this in the end. Like, again, I said it's not the most original movie, but the entire time I was entertained by it, it also made me feel good at the end. And the weird part emotionally that I kind of connected with it, even though I have no kids yet or any plans to have kids anytime soon, it already made me sad about having kids before <laughs> before that even came to be. Yeah. Like the whole relationship with him and his daughter when they're going back and watching her grow up. I was already like, man, I don't have kids yet and I don't want them to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already worried that they're going to resent me later in life and I'm not even thinking about kids yet. So, See, but you learn from these movies. I know. Like, oh, hey, whenever I have a kid and they're a preteen, whatever, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I, I learned a lot from this. Of like, yeah. hey, if your kid is into something that you don't completely understand, it's not your thing, you're trying to get them into something else, you should still spend time and get to know that craft that they're doing. You can learn stuff from movies. Yeah, you can learn stuff. Even an animated movie like this, you can learn something. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like learning that, having that kind of emotional connection with this movie... I also just liked a lot of the side characters. And also, I thought they had a pretty good use of having celebrities and well-known actors voice in this movie, but also it made sense. Like, Danny McBride, as the dad, I mm -hmm. felt makes sense. And sometimes I feel like Hollywood movies, they just grab big stars for the sake of putting, like, oh, it's Angelina Jolie as a fish. Like, I don't care about that. I yeah. care about people who actually have unique voices and will do a good job actually trying to be a voice actor. Totally. And not just being like, okay, here's so-and-so doing this role. So I thought all the casting in it made sense. Did you hear Conan O'Brien was one of the people on it? Oh, yeah. Like, I just recognized yeah. his voice immediately. I was like, oh, that's cool, Conan <laughs> yeah. O'Brien. Yeah, I recognized his voice immediately. <laughs> that's Conan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was great. So I would give it 3.5 out of 5 robots. All right. A little higher. I think it's also the fact that it's on Netflix. You don't have to go pay another streaming service to watch it. Easily accessible. It goes up a little bit more in my book. So. Oh, also the pug. Was uh, the chicken from Moana? Oh, what I thought it was Doug the Pug. No, I mean, I mean it's yeah, it was. Oh, it's the same. It, it's the same character. Oh, okay. You know, oh, the gotcha. bug eye, like oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It was basically. You're that. right. <laughs> they stole that, but yeah, it's voiced apparently by Doug the Pug. I don't know who that is. He's a celebrity dog. Mm hmm. It has more followers on more followers on Instagram than I will ever have, <laughs> and that makes me sad and keeps me up at night. <laughs> But anyway, that's what we think about Mitchells versus the Machines. Up next, we'll do some movie news. So Dave Batista has been announced in the new Knives Out sequel. How excited are you for a Knives Out sequel? Not very excited. I won't watch it. Okay. But you thought the first one was a little overrated, right? Yeah, totally. See, I kind of I watched that movie after the buzz died down, so I enjoyed it. See, I, I never really paid much attention to it when it came out. I knew it was supposed to be like a mystery mm -hmm. type movie just from the previews that I saw on TV. But then when I watched it, I was like, you know, you see the previews, four stars, blah, 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 variety says. And you're like, oh, wow, that must be good. Yeah. But then I watched it and I was like, nah, that didn't live up to the hype for me at all. Yeah, I caught it after the whole hype went down. And I ended up liking it. I kind of I like the the premise of the movie, that mystery style. I haven't seen anything like that in a while. I thought it it just I'm excited for the second one, just to see where they go from making that story into a part two. I think that does leave some things to be answered. And I don't know what I guess at Dave Batista though. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't really wanna I don't really care to see him in the movie, but I'll give it a watch. <laughs> we could see. Yeah. 
Um, also, Margot Robbie was talking about how she wants Poison Ivy to kind of join up and have a relationship with Harley Quinn in an upcoming DC movie. Into that. <laughs> Which basically she was saying like in the comic books, they had a relationship at one point. One, I think in one comic, they were even like romantically involved. Whoa. So she was saying they should bring back Poison Ivy and have them kind of explore that relationship in a movie. I think that would be interesting to watch. Uma Thurman, or I'm not interested. Oh, uh, Uma Thurman is Poison Ivy? Yeah. I actually put together a list of my most attractive DC villains. <laughs> At number three, I actually put Uma Thurman <laughs> as Poison Ivy from Batman Forever. At number two, I went with Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Okay. And then at number one, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, Batman Returns. I think I agree with the list, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is my list. I'd say put them all in a DC movie together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for DC, that's like the best thing to have going is the female characters. Yeah, they're kind of the best part. <laughs> they're the best part of all the DC movies. Yeah. Like, okay, the Batman and DC, I could do without. Superman, don't really care. Aquaman, I could care less about. Go further down the list. They keep getting worse. Yeah, they keep getting until worse. You get to the Harley Quinn. Yeah, stuff. so I'm into that. And then also, did you see the new Venom sequel trailer for the Carnage movie? Let there be Carnage. No, I never saw the. You never saw the, the original? Venom movie. It got really great reviews. I watched it. I didn't love it, and I love Venom. Venom was like my favorite villain growing up. I liked him in the cartoon. I liked him on the DC versus Capcom video game. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought Carnage was cool because he was like a character that I felt like didn't get enough attention. But I almost feel like they didn't do him justice. And just from seeing the trailer. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I was just not feeling that movie and I just never watched it. I, don't, I almost don't like Tom Hardy as Venom. That oh okay I Tom think that, Hardy that's it for me like I think I, that was a big thing for the me. way he plays them and the whole kind of the way Venom is like a voice in his head and the whole kind of that thing they have going on I'm not that into it I feel like he didn't really give a full performance of getting into that character to be Eddie Brock to be a convincible Venom I don't I, buy it I think I just don't find Tom Hardy very interesting I don't know it's like I liked him as uh, Bane yeah but that's it yeah. Think, All his other movies that he's been in, it's just like, hmm, okay. Yeah. So I think I'll still watch it, but not super excited for it. And that kind of makes, that kind of bums me out. So that has been Movie News. Um, Rudy, thanks for hanging out on this episode. Thanks for having me, dude. We'll appreciate everybody for listening, especially if you're listening on release day, which is Monday. Appreciate you guys. You can always send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And until next week, I will talk to you later. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. 
And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 